Computer, initialize Holosuite. Good evening and welcome to another episode of The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Perry. I'm your host, David. Tonight we're talking about Season 5, Episode 4, Nor the Battle to the Strong. Before we continue, you can find us on Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and X as The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. That is correct, and as I say every single week, and we'll probably say every single week, you should find us and follow us because we're great, we're awesome, I think we're a pretty great time, and of course we just really enjoy deep diving into this um, 30-year-old show, and you'll probably love it too if you're a fan of Star Trek at all, and especially Star Trek Deep Space Nine. So join us, and uh, if you don't like what we say, you can politely tell us, and we'll try to get back to you whenever we can. But, um, yeah, tonight we are doing Nor the Battle to the Strong, uh, our title for what I feel like is a great episode. And, um, yeah, I'm ready to dive into it. If you are, David, what do you yeah. think? Yeah, of course. Okay. Now, of course, before we do that, we always do have to, or not have to, but like to check in with one another, of course. Um, so, really quick, how has your week been so far? Week's been good. Uh, last week, I was telling you guys I was reading Red Rising. Uh, finished it this week. It is fantastic. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Really glad uh, I read it. Again, my roommate was the one who's been reading. He had read it before. He's rereading the series and uh, suggested I read it. I mentioned last week, it's like if Harry Potter, Ender's Game, and The Hunger Games had a kid. Oh, man. Like, it's so good. Like, all of those combined. But, like, this is the older brother. Like, this has more mature themes than those three series I just mentioned. Those are, like, young adult fiction. This is got more mature stuff. Not – I'm not saying it's, like, X-rated. I'm just saying, like, it deals with some of those harder issues that those – like, The Hunger Games being for kids doesn't, you know, delve into some of the dirty details of what's going on. This one is more willing to, to, to talk about that kind of stuff. Um, then I also, I just finished yesterday, this one, it's the house of love and death by Andrew Clavin. Uh, he's, uh, one of the guys on the daily wires podcast. I like listening to, it's a mystery novel. It's good. I do have some things I would critique if I were to say anything more about it, but I'll just leave it there. And then today I finally started Napoleon, <laughs> the biography of Napoleon, that I got a couple months ago in preparation for the Ridley Scott movie coming out at the end of this month for Thanksgiving. Looking so is to that. that the book? Is that the book they're using for the movie? Do you I know? Don't, I, I've never seen anything saying we were that they were using any particular book for the movie. I assume this book was probably referenced, but it doesn't sound like they are saying it was inspired by this biography. Um but it's you know it's eight hundred page biography, so it's gonna be pretty in depth. But I imagine they're gonna start, they're they're gonna have to. And I don't know how long the movie will be, but they're gonna have to try and abridge a lot of his life. You know, they can only get through so much. But after I finish that, which will take me about two weeks, I'm gonna read the Count of Monte Cristo. Which anyone oh, who knows yes. me and Carrie, uh, I read the Count of Monte Cristo a long time ago as a kid. I read the abridged version. 
Perry read Count of Monte Cristo a couple of years ago. I think was it during the pandemic? You read, so you read yeah. It? So the first time I read it was in high school, and then um, during year two of our COVID shutdown, I read it again. Right. And um, such a great book. And then I watched the movie, of course. Yeah. Because how can you not? Yeah. Um, such a great book such a great movie um i kind of went a little you know alexander dumas crazy there for a minute because i was <laughs> reading a bunch of his stuff yeah. and um researching all the little like places from the book and stuff just to see like what inspired the tale and everything because there's a lot of um history that goes into the fiction that he um creates right. in that story so you can yes. find a lot of those places or indirect you know the the inspirations for them anyway you can find them and view them and stuff like that so that's right. um um very uh that that just to kind of enhance the story for me so yeah but that's one of my favorite stories of all time without yeah. a doubt is um 100%. the count of monster it's, it's a great book if you haven't if you haven't read it you really should especially if you're a fan of the movie because while the movie is great there is a lot in the book that they just they can't cover i yeah. guess yeah you know and it's it's great yeah it, it would what do you what do you think TV of it show. yeah it would make a great TV oh show. Absolutely, just, that just should one, be a TV one show. Season TV show. I mean, it's obviously big enough, but I mean, the first episode is you know that first bit explaining his life, and then the and then the betrayal, and then you give us two or three episodes of him in the prison and him getting to. You know, I, I mean, escape and, I would like I would break it up by season. Like season one is his life before prison, and we're seeing the mounting jealousy um, of. Yeah. Uh, of uh, Mondego, you know, and and all, and just and seeing all the key players sort of get trotted out, and they're around, and and then the you know season two and maybe season three would be prison. The, would be prison. Yeah, seriously. Like I wanted to just hardcore, like because you know, because I mean, if, I mean, if you obviously you've read the book, you know that like the first part of his prison, oh, yeah. there's there's nothing. Like he's completely he's isolated. Yeah, so like I would two, love three to see years, right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh he's isolated. Yeah, I think it is like 3 years he is completely isolated and he's tortured. And then he finally meets and that would be season 3 for me is when he meets his first and only friend and then starts right. that educational process and I forget which then that would end the season. Name, but he pops up into his cell cuz he's been digging his way out and he's like, "Oh, I yes, didn't go far he's enough." he's been digging a tunnel. <laughs> right. I've been digging a tunnel. Yeah. And so that would be all of season three would be their meeting and digging and learning and all of that stuff. And then season four would end with that man's death and the escape and him yeah. being thrown, you know, thrown they, clear. They think he's a dead body. They think his friend's right. dead body. Yeah. And oh, then man, season I remember four. It. I remember it. Uh, yeah, right. And then season yeah. four would open up with him, you know, swimming, uh, you know, swimming ashore and being found by the pirates. Yeah. And then we get to his whole, that could be season four would be his life as a pirate because he lived as a pirate for a little bit yeah. before he finally earned the right to make his path to yes. leave them and do so that would be i, I mean seriously I would, that's how i'd break that up 100 percent. we'd get like seven eight seasons out of this show <laughs> doing it my way you yeah, know and man, just very detail oriented because yeah. I, I want it to be good like don't tell me you're gonna do this and well, then like okay let me let me say this though because i feel like your way while i love it is also kind of it's 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 slow to get to the count of monte cristo part right so yeah that's what yeah. i would do if I were doing it your way of like telling us the story of prison and the escape, 
is I would cut it between, you know, the fast forward to when he's the count. He's mm. all regaled up, you know, he's all looking uh-huh. fine. And then flashbacks always. See, flashbacks, I knew you, I knew you were going to say that. And that's what I was trying to avoid. I hate flashbacks. Well, okay, not I'm flashback, sorry, guys. I, like, I hate. We're doing the we're doing the two timelines. That's how I, I, was... I know. But but see, I hate those because in every show, <laughs> in every show where I've seen them, when they do those those little flashback clips or whatever, they're so action packed and exciting, and they're wonderful. And you always want more of those, oh, and then yeah, they never yeah. have them. But then they do something stupid later on, like when the show ends, they were like, "Oh, we're gonna do a prequel show." That's all about us. It's like no. Give it to me nah. all together. Yeah, Give yeah, yeah. All, yeah. That's well, what I want. Like, well, I want the full I'm thing. I'm saying like 50, percent you know, in the in the prison, and 50 percent as the count, 50 50. I'm not saying we do flashbacks okay. like you think of flashbacks where it's like a quick blip. I'm talking about yeah, we we take our time in the prison. We learn stuff. The storyline is is very 50 50. Uh, if I was to get that way, otherwise, I think three seasons of the prison might be a bit much. But I, I get your point. <laughs> Well, one no, one season, not not you know, one to two seasons of prison, but um, but I could see them doing like maybe just well. And the reason why I say two seasons is because you know, as we discussed many times, now seasons are so much shorter. So I feel like you would need two seasons to make sure you get the right amount of time for everything. But if 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 that hadn't been an issue, then um, yeah, one season. Well, hold on, would are we talking fine. ten episode seasons? Are we talking twenty four episode seasons? No, I'm talking ten episode seasons. Okay. Yeah, I'm, right. ta- I'm, right. I'm thinking okay. of it based on based Modern on today and the way we film okay. stuff. So yeah, okay. ten okay. episode right. seasons. That's why I was doing it my way. Okay. No, if we All were doing right. it old school 20 26 episodes a season right. then yeah only one one is more than enough yeah and i would definitely want to break that up like season two yeah, half yeah, of yeah. season two would be yes. this the other this half would be that finale, yeah yeah yeah. yeah absolutely uh, yeah. um but so no anyway. we we really need to not speak this too much into existence because i feel like somebody will hear us and then we'll get some awful you know, knockoff version where he's in prison and is, I don't know, secretly in love with a warden or some nonsense oh, gosh, that they'll not. do. Oh, yeah. So you're no, making me, I, you're making me anxious over here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, that's, that's what will happen. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, we are not here to talk about literally any of that. <laughs> that was not the point um, uh, at all. We got way off on a, on a great tangent, but still a tangent nonetheless. Um, so, since I gave the recap for last week's episode, would you like to do this week's? I could do this week's. All right, guys. So again, this episode is called Nor the Battle to the Strong, which for a quick reference, that is a reference to Ecclesiastes 9.11, according to Wikipedia, which reads in full, I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, but time and chance happen to them all. So that's the uh, verse that is referenced. All right. So this episode is focused primarily on Jake. Jake is following Dr. Bashir around because he's going to write an article about Bashir. This is kind of his first job as, an, as a writer. Now, Jake normally writes fiction, but you know he's trying to find some way to use his writing skill to make some money. Uh, unfortunately, Dr. Bashir is loves talking about medical stuff, and Jake, unfortunately, can't follow any of it because it's way over his head. These terminologies, you know, it's just too much. But while he and Bashir are on a runabout coming back from a conference, uh, they receive a distress signal from a Federation colony that's being attacked by Klingons, and they're asking for um, medical help. 
So Jake says that, you know, I'm willing to go, Dr. Bashir. I've been in, you know, situations on the station. I can handle it. Uh, don't, don't, you know, go, but don't stop on my behalf. And so uh, Dr. Bashir and Jake go to this colony. Now, there's supposed to be a ceasefire going on, everyone might remember, but unfortunately the Klingons have decided to break that uh, ceasefire, at least on this planet. So while Jake is with Dr. Bashir on this planet in the emergency room, it's pretty dire. They're low on supplies, they're low on personnel, uh, the Starfleet troops have been decimated, and in fact one of the ships that was sent to try and uh, bring relief is destroyed by the Klingons before they can get any help. So they are left alone and pretty well abandoned. Uh, so Cisco and the others on the station hear about this, and so Cisco is worried. And when he hears about the Starfleet ship being destroyed, he uh, he gets Dax and some of the others to join him on Defiant to make a uh, a run to try and get to the colony and save Jake, Bashir, and the colonists. In the meantime, uh, Dr. Bashir is doing his doctorly duties and is helping save lives, but Jake, who is, again, the person we're mainly following is really starting to realize the full uh, danger of the situation. Uh, he is helping with the wounded. Uh, he's trying to help get them, you know, move, move them around. He's carrying stretchers with another guy. He meets a, a Starfleet soldier who has, uh, in an attempt to get out of the battle, has shot his own leg and wounded himself in order to uh, be removed from the battle. Uh, it's obvious what he did, and so uh, he... This soldier feels shame for himself. Jake feels shame for him. Uh, it's very unpleasant to have to try and realize that this man's a coward. When Dr. Bashir and the others need a generator because the main generator is knocked out, uh, they say, well, there's one on the runabout. So Jake and Dr. Bashir go to get the generator from the, from the runabout. But when they come under a bombardment, Jake is terrified and abandons Bashir and tries to run for cover. He finds a wounded Starfleet soldier who's dying, um, and Jake just feels terrible because he can't help this dying man. He, he abandoned Bashir. He feels like a coward. When he finally comes back to the hospital, Bashir has already returned, having carried the generator all by himself, but was injured in the process. Uh, he thought Jake was dead, and Jake doesn't want to admit that he ran away and was, was, was scared of the situation. Uh, so when they need to abandon this underground hospital, um, everyone has to try and leave, and Jake is paralyzed by fear and cowardice. Uh, he can't even uh, help anyone anymore. So he's one of the last ones to leave the hospital, and uh, the two soldiers that were trying to protect people are killed when two Klingons rush in. And Jake grabs one of the guns and starts firing wildly, and it causes a cave-in, which ultimately saves everyone by uh, keeping the Klingons either killing them off-screen or keeping them from getting to anybody. Jake is knocked unconscious by this, and he wakes up with Bashir and his father uh, praising him for his bravery, and they uh, bring him back to the station. But when they get back to the station, Jake writes... Uh, I, I assume it's the article about Dr. Bashir, but it's more about his experience as um, someone who experienced the trauma of war and he's basically, he basically admits to what it was like to be a coward and feel fear and cowardice in the midst of a war situation. Um, and yeah, his father praises him for his honesty. Uh, you know, people don't like to admit when they're scared and afraid, but he's, he's willing to look inside himself and do that. 
And, uh, yeah, that's the episode. I miss anything there, Carrie? Oh, I, are you muted? <laughs> I'm sorry, was nothing working? <laughs> <laughs> Technical difficulties, we're, we're live here, so yeah. whatever. Um, but no, I'd say you hit the, you hit the uh, details that we yeah. needed here, plus we're going to go into a lot of stuff. The only thing I would say would be, um, I well, you were saying that, Jake, initially when he was listening to Bashir go on and on, that he didn't really know what the doctor was talking about. I would say it was more like he didn't care. As we're watching the episode, we're hearing more of an internal monologue of Jake. Mm -hmm. And what Jake is wanting is, this is his first writing assignment. This is him moving from story writer to journalist. And on his first assignment, he's wanting action. He wants drama. He wants to struggle for good and evil. He, that's what he, not some boring medical conference where even in attendance at the conference, he couldn't tell that anything had really happened. Whereas Bashir is going on and on about how his paper ruffled so many feathers and mm -hmm. caused such an upset with people. And so, yeah, you have this, you know, this very young, eager, naive person who was just chomping at the bit for action and, um, you know, just totally, you know, oblivious to what is going on around him. And I feel like that's kind of the, the uh, essence of this episode is that Jake has such a very um, naive outlook on on Starfleet and what it means to be a Starfleet officer and to be an enlisted person with Starfleet and he is always he's always sheltered and protected by his father and even to the point where he invokes his family name to make Cisco or not to make Cisco but to make Bashir, Bashir take him into this battle situation. Right. He you know he says I'm a Cisco, I can handle it. That has nothing to do with anything of who you are. Right. And that's what this episode later goes on to show us that he may carry a you know a proud family name, but he is not his father. Right. So, and that's also why I really love the you know like again interesting title. I love this title um, for this episode because I mean it's essentially you know about how um, uh, you know people experience moments of you know personal failure and then you see them trying to make sense of it later and we see that through the guy who shoots himself in the in the foot we see that in jake when he runs away and leaves bashir and then he finds the other soldier and he's trying to justify why he left bashir and that it was maybe destiny that he find this guy who eventually dies like there's a lot of that that's going on in this episode and i feel like it's just a really nice gritty turn away from the easily solved pristine world of trek that we had known before this you know we'd seen a lot of battles and stuff like that but they were always they were always very clean and this episode where you know jake's getting blood on his you know clothes within you know five minutes of them getting into this uh encampment here you know and they're filthy and the doctors are sweaty and covered in grime and and all this we haven't really seen a whole lot of that in Trek at all, let alone uh, Deep Space Nine. So I really loved how they just went and leaned into this, you know, dark uh, portrayal here of of war in the future. Yeah, this is, this in some ways feels like a um, a contemporary episode with the one uh, which I'm gonna try and find here real quick from last season near the end, which was uh, about uh, Bashir going to that planet. 
um, and uh, helping the the blight people. The blight. Yeah, I'm trying to find the episode real quick so I can say what it is. Uh, the quickening. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that one, we got Doctor Bashir's perspective of you know not every disease is so easily solved. You know, Star Trek can definitely at times be a bit hand wavy about how they solve issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one. There was not a hand wavy episode. You know, Bashir was not initially successful. He does lose patience. He loses someone he's close to in that episode. Um, this one's similar. Jake is uh, Ben. Yeah, he's been in he's been in battles before. It's, you know, the stations come under attack. I mean, you know, the whole Klingon fleet once tried to attack, and he was fine. So you know, he's been he's seen Klingons before, and uh, this is the first time he's ever had to directly confront it and do something about it absent his own father which is very important you know it's easy yes. when dad's gotten all the you know, he's taking on all the risk he's taking all the stress you know dad will take care of it um this is the first time he's ever had to be do it himself um outside his own dad's immediate supervision mm-hmm. um so yeah it's a very serious episode and uh really brings uh really brings a lot of that trauma uh forward um so yeah it's an important episode for that reason it's not just a quick easy fun episode and it's an interesting way to develop the um, Cisco family dynamic as well. Everything that we had seen with the Cisco's beforehand, we knew that they were obviously a very tender and caring family, especially with each other. But we also were seeing, you know, Jake growing up. Jake is maturing, and now here he is, you know, officially into adulthood. I mean, you can say whatever you want to about the future, but it's clear here that they were marking on purpose that he was 18 years old. They say it twice within the span of a couple of minutes. Jake is 18. You know, Jake is an adult. Jake is, uh, by all rights and standards that we can tell, a man. He is able to make these decisions on his own. But then we see him doing things that, um, you know, we we would like to think initially is uh, out of character for Jake. But then you have to realize Jake doesn't have the kind of training and upbringing that others in Starfleet would have had. You know, the quickest comparison that we could make for Jake here would be Wesley Crusher, who, you know, lost his father at a very young age and then still living with his mother, who who never left Starfleet. And she never stopped serving aboard starships. The, the You know, as Wesley continued his development on starships and under the tutelage of not just his mother, but then other senior officers who kind of took him under his wing, Picard, Riker, Deanna, so forth and so on. Jake doesn't have any of that. We see that, you know, um, after the loss of the Saratoga and his mother, you know, um, Cisco went back to Earth. He was working at the Utopia Panisha uh, shipyards. Most likely Jake was splitting time between his house with his father and then his house with his grandfather whenever Ben had to go and work, you know, up in space, wherever, but they, they weren't on a ship. And so now this is the first time that they're, you know, out on the station and so forth. So he's, a lot of his formative years have been very much under the sheltered and supervised care of his father. And now he's really starting to branch out and being able to do things on his own and without his father. And we see how that is affecting both of them. Jake, not sure of the next steps he wants to take. And Ben, not sure how he can let go of kind of the promise he made of always taking care of his son. He even says in the episode, you know, uh, I, I made a promise to make sure nothing bad 
what happened to this child and now he's far away he's separated by days of travel and he can't he he can't do anything so um yeah i really liked this episode um and how they developed that particular relationship and there's also the little bits and pieces that we see of the rest of the crew that are around which add a nice little uh family development uh you know bits to the story too so yeah um i really do like this episode and i like it more now than i did when i watched it probably what 15 20 25 years ago right whatever so yeah so what would you say um again first time viewer never seen the episode before what would you say would be the the standout thing for you that just kind of makes this a great episode (laughs) well i do want to back up and say i don't think it's it's not my favorite episode um well, I was gonna I was gonna go the other way later on. Like, okay, what do you think oh. makes it a not so great episode? Oh, okay. But well, I didn't I'm tell you there. that. I didn't tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Fine. Give me the bad first. Okay. All right. Go All ahead. Right. I, I, you know what? I want to say just because I want to make sure I, I say it clearly, and then we can enjoy the episode for what it's worth. Um, for me, I have I have a bit of a hard time in this episode, or at least I did watching it. I feel like Jake's writing. You know, he's doing kind of a voiceover. It starts off as we're hearing what he's thinking, and then we. Uh, basically by the end it's turning out this is like the article he's written about the situation and unfortunately right. as someone who again i my uh, degree is in english um i'm not saying i'm a great writer but there were times when this character who's supposed to be a good writer he's this is what he does i felt it was really melodramatic and don't get me wrong this is a serious situation um but there were times when i was just like is this really how someone would have written like this. I mean, it just, it felt like well, he's an 18 year old kid writing about it. And so I was going to say, well, then in that case, wouldn't you say that then he succeeded? He did his job because he is 18 and you know, him writing about something that is, you know, very complex and also a first time experience and trying to get all of that out. Um, I would, I felt like he did a great job. What, like you said, when we got to the end and realized that what we had just watched was in the general narration was the actual article that he wrote. I feel like he did a great job portraying this first time experience for a young man who was out of his element, completely out of his element. So I would put it this way. Um, all of that would be more true for me if by the end of the episode um, he didn't get quite so much a pat on the head from Cisco because I feel like. Here's, here's what I want from characters. I want characters who experience traumatic situations to grieve that trauma. I don't feel like Jake really grieved it fully. Yes, he is doing an article. He's expressing it. And by the time the episode ends, that's all you have time for. The episode's got to end. So, again, I'm going to give the show a pass. I'm not, saying it was a, I'm not saying it's a bad episode. I'm just saying I was distracted by what I felt like was a bit of melodrama. I wish that we had had a moment... <sighs> Where Jake could have like more like Jake never apologized to Bashir, for example, of I feel like I yeah. abandoned you and I'm sorry I abandoned you. And Bashir being like, No, you were afraid, you didn't know where to go, you needed to get to safety. In that yeah. moment it wasn't about the generator, it was about being safe. And you didn't know where you were, so it makes sense you were lost. And I was able to get the generator. Like I, I want that scene. I want that scene where Jake's like is teary and he's 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 having to like express his shame. Uh, I, like, I will I will agree with you absolutely on that because when when we see when at the end when we see that they're reading the article and we see Bashir is reading it as well. Right. I would have loved for the whole episode to end with 
um, the two Cisco's in their home talking about it and everything like that. And then the door chimes and it's Bashir who right. comes in and he has just finished reading it as well. And right. he does give us that bit of closure being like, yes. you know, I just, I just read this, yes. um, you know, and kind of gives him his own little last five minutes of closure to yes. wrap it up. Cause I mean, the episode starts yes. with Jake and Bashir. I feel like it should have ended also yes. with Jake and Bashir yes. and, you know, Cisco still being there to kind of look on and give the fatherly, I'm proud of you for acknowledging your faults, acknowledging your failure, being honest about it with your, and then allowing others to read it and so forth. All of that I felt right. like was great. I loved it. But at the same time, I do feel like we should have got a little bit more in a sense of closure between yes. Jake and Bashir yes. because there there was some tension in their relationship. There right. needed to be some resolution to that. Right. And yeah, Bashir walking in and being like, you know, I just read this and right. I don't want you to feel sorry. I don't want you to feel ashamed. You're still a young man. Like, Giving him that as well, that would have been great. You're yes. right. You're absolutely right on that. Yes. And I also, just to back that up, I also wish, and this is, again, a hard thing, it's a montage scene in my head, of people reading Jake's article and that being Other the trigger of his, of his career. Jake's first article is a little hit. It, it it gets out there. It gets his name out there, and and yeah, people are other people it. reading it. Yeah. Like uh, you, they do a they do a montage, and you see Quark in his bar leaned over reading it, and you see Worf on the Defiant reading it, and you see maybe um, uh, the O'Briens. All of them are sitting in the living room. Well, I'm talking about like own. random people too. I'm talking. Well, I, about, I mean, those yeah. two. But I'm just saying, like it would have been. I think it would. I, I agree with you. I'm just saying, I would have liked to see that too. Like as they're doing those final logs, and we. I mean, they did a little bit of that. We see Bashir reading it and so forth, but extend that montage a bit and right. show us others also reading it or discussing it or something like that, passing the pad along so someone else can read it, yes. whatever. Yeah, that would have been um, yeah. would have been interesting. Yeah, I, that's been what, a nice touch. as we've just been saying, I wish this episode had a little better closure. I'm okay with Jake having traumatic moments. Like he's hiding under a table at the last moment. I just... I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put it very directly because it's basically what I'm trying to get at. Unfortunately, Sirach Lofton as Jake, his acting for me was just a little bit not there. And I'm not saying yeah. I'm not saying nope. I'm any better. It was a really hard part to play this episode. Yeah, he did a great job in a lot of moments, but this this episode was asking a lot of an actor who's not part of our main cast. He was cast and as we, a child. And we don't right, and we yeah. don't get to see that often. He was cast as a child. He's most likely having to like go to school and yes. stuff like that. So he's not totally immersed in the element on a day to day basis. Right. And if I if I remember correctly, I think that Sirach Lofton was a little bit older here. He's not actually eighteen. In I think he life. was a little bit older. And, you know, while older, more experienced actors can kind of de-age themselves a little bit to play roles, you right. know, because they have the experience and so forth. I don't think that he totally had that same experience. Right. So trying to play this more unsure young man who's having to make decisions for the first time right. um, by himself right. may have been a little bit more difficult because he was already doing that. Right. You know? Yeah. So I just want to summarize this because I do want to get onto the good parts of the episode. But for me... The, the reason I had I was having some trouble watching this episode is because uh, Sirach Lofton, as an actor, again, I'm not trying to say he's bad at it. I'm just saying that it was a lot of – this was a very serious episode, and a lot was put on him. And unfortunately, I don't think he, as an actor, was quite up to the task of it. 
again, I'm not saying he's bad or I want him gone or I didn't like the episode. I'm just saying there were moments where it felt like this this needed someone who could really grab the part and really go for it. But uh, mm-hmm. again, I, I don't want to bash it. Anyway, and then sometimes a bit melodramatic in the way that the writing was done. You know, this is supposed to be his words, but, you know, it's just the writers of the show putting words in his mouth. And part of me felt like they could have tightened up some of that dialogue a bit. And then, yes, if they had, if all of that could have been just bing, bong, boom, if we could have really had a really solid, a little bit better uh, tie-in at the end, wrapping it all up. But that's all the negative I had to say. Everything else was great. Um, we have the the young kid who's basically working alongside Jake, and he starts joking about death, you know, very um, morose yeah, very, <laughs> conversation. All, all of the... Doctors and nurses that were there, they were all very, very um, fatalistic, I would say. I was yes. going to say nihilistic, but it's more of a fatalism yes. sitting there casually discussing, you know, the, best, the best way, way to die, die <laughs> what would what would feel the best or be the most or the least traumatic, you know, yeah, getting painful. decapitated, being vaporized, uh, so forth and so on, you know, and um, I, 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 I thought that that was like interesting to add because i've heard of that i haven't actually seen it but i've heard of that from uh, you know them saying that you know doctors who in particular specialize in like er and trauma and also work in like war-torn areas and stuff like that become so desensitized to what's going on around them that they can make these very you know cavalier statements and even to the point where it's not just that they say it and it doesn't bother them, but they say them and they laugh. Like, they find some of it funny, you know? So, um, I thought that was interesting that they included that here mm-hmm. in, in a Trek show, but it was like, why not? Like, everybody has different ways of coping with such, you know, trauma and stuff, and that's exactly what this is. Right. These, it's these people who have been in this, you know, prolonged uh, uh, battle situation, and they're needing a way to, you know, release the pressure and maintain their focus. And that's what this right. was. Yeah. You know, that, that reminds me because the character we haven't talked about yet much is the guy who shot himself to get out of the battle. Oh, um, we were going to get there. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess I'm rushing there because what I, what no, that's I did, all right. go ahead. Go ahead. What I, again, for everyone, I've talked about this before, but what I like doing with stories is I like trying to think how could I have done it differently and improved it in my own estimation. Um, I wish the guy who shot himself in the leg never admitted it because there is the second scene, which I didn't mention in my recap where Jake, who is feeling shame for having you know, abandoned Bashir goes to him and he's laying on a, on a bed and he's like, everyone keeps looking at me like they think I'm taking up space and you're the only one who seems to understand my situation. You know, I was so good in the battle simulations and you know, no one knows what it's like until you're actually in the battle. That's all true and fine. But, but what I wish the character had done was still try and maintain I didn't shoot myself. I wish he had okay. been lying because the whole point if, – if Jake is going to be honest about his experience at the end of the episode, it would be better to contrast him with someone who was trying to lie to himself the whole time and never would admit it. If this character who had shot himself kept insisting, no, 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 it wasn't – it wasn't a phaser. That's not me who shot myself. No, 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 no. I, I'm a brave soul, and I, I fought them off. And like he's blustering and all of this nonsense. And then we contrast it with Jake, who's like, no, I'm not. I don't want to be like that. Um, I wish that's what the character. I wish that was how that was written. Because instead, the character gets all fatalistic, as as you were also like he's, he's also fatalistic like the others, because he's like, 
you know, I no one will ever trust me again. I can only go work on a on a working ship. Um, yeah, he's completely given up on himself, and even Jake yeah. says, "Well, you know, they're they're you know, you might get a court martial, but they might also stick you in counseling and do yeah, rehab." Yeah, that's right. And that's then exactly what he says. You know, yeah. all that because he was like, "Nah, no one will ever trust." And the guy says, "It's like no one will ever trust me again." Right. Counseling's not going to make anybody trust me ever again. Right. All I can do is you know take the court martial, resign my commission, right. and go work as a miner. Right. You know, like his bright prospects as a proud starfleet officer all gone up with one shot you know and um he's just completely down on himself you know and you know he talks about how jake is the only one who doesn't look at him the same way as as the rest of them but you know initially jake did because when they first brought him in and you know bashir is going over his wound and they realize it's a phaser burn and that that means it only could have come from him Mm mm-hmm um, Jake is just appalled at the thought that this guy could have done what he did, right. and it's not until after his, you know, his own, you know, brush with cowardice and so forth that yeah. he kind of changes his opinion on the guy. But I mean, initially they were all on the same, same page here. This right. guy was a coward. He was right. a failure, and they didn't want to have anything to do with him. Right. You know. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, and I want to be very clear because I while well, I had some negative things to say. The episode overall is good, and it has something to say that's important. Yeah. And it's like the beginning of the episode where Jake, <laughs> in his wish to have something more dramatic to write, he 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 he, um, he admonishes himself in his own head. He's like, I'm actually wishing for a disease so Dr. Bashir can go treat just so that my Right, just so that my story will be better. I'm wishing ill on, on Other others. Beast. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's it's great. It's a great little self-reflective moment. You know, it's funny. It's um, it's exactly what happens. I mean, literally two seconds later, they're getting a distress call. Um, and I'm you know I'm glad for Jake that he gets this moment to grow and mature. Um, you know, yeah. It, we if he's going to be, for example, a wartime uh, journalist correspondent. Yeah. yeah, that's those are important roles for people to be willing to tell those hard-hitting stories of people. Uh, in in dangerous situations, and it this this episode reminded me of the book I just read last week. It was one of the short books I read. It was Hiroshima. It was about the aftermath of the Hiroshima atomic bombings, um, and that's hugely traumatic situation for the people who were hit by the bomb and the people who had you know, like some people were still able to move around and walk and help people, um, but as anyone knows, like over time they're they were affected by the nuclear radiation, and so their lives were still negatively affected, even if they initially came off unscathed. And um, it focuses on six people and, and how their lives were affected and, and changed by the incident. You know, it, it was written over the course of several decades, and their lives what happened to them over their over their lives. And it's um, yeah, it it just makes you whenever you read stuff like that or you watch an episode like this, it makes you remember. You know, war is is not a pleasant thing. It's not something to be wished for. It's not something to be championed. I, I, you I seriously thought you were going to say war is hell. Like, I, yeah, I just, well, war I is thought hell. You were gonna, yeah. Well, I, I wanted to do too cliched. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I just thought it was coming. Yeah, I was kind of prepared. Um, yeah, yeah. But no, you're right, and I mean, and that's you know one of the things that Deep Space Nine gets criticized a lot, you know, for how it's not the next generation, but. Obviously, it's not, but they're able to do things like this, giving us this very bloody, up close and personal um, 
view of a of a skirmish that is even as Jake says, probably no one's gonna remember later on in this in this war, in this overall conflict. No one's gonna remember Agilon Prime, you know, but it's still moments like that that are defining moments for for countless people, not just our, our main cast here. And to see the right. way that they handle it here, and it's not um you know, it's not that somebody was a clear hero with uh, victory hero music behind them, you know, or giving an impassioned speech, which makes the enemy lay down their arms and all that kind of stuff, which we used to get in the 60s Trek and, you know, Next Generation and so forth. You know, right before tensions truly flared and weapons were fired, Picard giving one of those famous speeches with that British panache and everybody just lays down their arms and bows their head at the, you know, shiny bald man. Um, you know, we 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 actually get some 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 grit here. We get to see yeah. some some struggle, some substance. Yeah. And I really like that. I mean, as we're moving into um, uh, you know, the progression of TV shows from, you know, the 60s to 80s and 90s and so forth, being able to actually tell realistic shows um I'm not going to say it's necessarily harder, but it's like we, we have to make sure that we're doing it with a certain level of, of accuracy. And even with sci-fi shows and trying to deliver a message and not a message that is necessarily coming down on one side or the other, whether that, you know, with a political affiliation, religious affiliation, which kind of seems like where we are with a lot of things these days, to have a, a, a show like Star Trek do an episode that's like, Look, we're not talking about any of that. What we're talking about here is the actual just struggle of getting through war, of right. getting through a conflict. What's yeah. that like? We don't care whose side you're on. Right. Everybody is struggling. Everybody is a loser here because this this is your fallout, right. no matter what side you're on. Yeah. So I really like that. I really like that they do that here, and we just don't really see that in a lot of TV shows, and especially not in sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is why Deep Space Nine is one of my favorites. Or you know, it's it's the one that I come back to the most. Um, you know, uh, Enterprise tries. Um, it, it did try to do a lot of that, especially in the latter seasons. Before you know, it, it abruptly went off the air. In my opinion, had so much potential. But I think that kind of like the way we were describing our um, Count of Monte Cristo show, um, uh, the the build up to a lot of the actual, you know, dealing with the conflict, dealing with the issues and that was a bit too slow. And by the time they were actually got there and really pouring it on and firing on all cylinders here and giving us great storyline after great storyline, it was too little too late. There were so many other issues with from the network that was on it to, you know, casting and so forth and so on. It was, it died. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, if we could get a show that could do more of this, um, I think it'd be a success. And I would love to see like them continue some of these Deep Space Nine storylines and um, and give us more of that. Now, um, so before, I was going to say turn to our B-plot, but then in thinking about it, we don't really have a B-plot in this episode. We've got, I, I was calling them like vignettes, basically. We, where yeah. Cisco is, you know, he's, he checks in with Odo, mm -hmm. who has an unfortunate accident when he's um, chasing down some criminals. We get Quark trying to make uh, decaffeinated Ractagino for Kira so she can drink it while she's pregnant. Mm -hmm. And then um, we have Cisco himself, who is struggling with trying to keep 
keep wor- worry at bay about right. his son. Yeah. So um, Dax with, has a great uh, moment in yes. that scene. You want to once again? It. Yeah. You know, we get some more Jadzia here. So Jadzia is actually involved in two of those three scenes that we just described. Yes, um, yeah, so yeah, we're getting get some more Dax interplay here. So the one with her and Cisco is uh, they're on the Defiant after they've decided to go to rescue uh, Jake and Bashir. And she is looking for Ben and she finds him in a cross base down in the engineering where he was... He was working on the replicators, if I remember correctly. Yes. He was, like, tweaking the replicator. Yeah. And so then, you know, she's talking to him, and he's telling her, yeah, because I'm basically, he's telling her, I'm just trying to keep myself busy while we're making our way there. And so she starts to tell him about a story from when, you know, one of her past selves had uh, a, a child who had been sick right. and was in the hospital and how she was, you know, so filled with worry and, and so forth. She never left the bedside of the child. Right. And she read all these books to the child and all this stuff. And I mean, oh, we did hear that the, the kid lived. Yeah. And that's what that's what Cisco was telling you. Like, what happened at the end? And like, oh, yeah. She pulled through and he's like, I'm glad you told me that because I was going to be very mad at you if you giving me a giving me a sad story. Yes. And then but follows she does, up with... Oh, yeah, well, there was more, yeah. and then they, they didn't talk for eight years. And he's like, yeah, sa- save that for another time. I don't want to hear it. So great comedic moment between the two of them, also highlighting their particular relationship, but also just great stuff from Terry Farrell, being able to yes. relate a story so succinctly. And, you know, she got um, emotional with it. She's yes. even saying, you know, it was 100 years ago, right. and I'm still, you know, I can still remember how – helpless I felt and how yes. powerless I felt and yes. you know just all but she delivers it so well like they yes. they just Dax again from last at week to now Dax is a great character and right. I'm glad that we are finally getting more things that showcase that she is a great character right so yeah yeah she Terry Farrell kills that scene like she definitely gets emotional she gets the teary eyes she gets the like she's experiencing the like the memory and the and the trauma of it all over again. Great like it scene. happened a couple of weeks ago. She's yeah. she's experiencing it like it happened a couple of weeks ago, and she's even saying, "Yeah, it was a hundred years ago, and right. I'm still you know this." And it's a great so. story too because you're like, "Wait, does it have a bad ending?" You know, the kid never wakes yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, because she tells it so Cisco. well, and you're like, "Yeah, you're right. with Cisco. You're like, hey, hold on now, you gotta." Don't leave us hanging. Right. Um, As I like to say, don't walk me up the cliff. You know, walk me back down. Like, what happened? (laughs) De-escalate. De-escalate. Yeah, Yeah, it's a great scene. Um, And then (laughs) they uh, they joke about, okay, well, let's go fix the sonic showers and uh, find something else to keep ourselves busy. Um, and, I, yeah. and I like that for Cisco too. It's just like you know, we—they always try to make it seem like the captains just you know know everything. And I'm not—and it's not that he doesn't know his ship, but like, what's he working on? Like everybody else has these obviously high tech positions and stations and so forth. And what's he doing? He's puttering around with the replicators. He's messing with the sonic showers. You know, not critical systems. He's not you know trying to reroute the transporters or you know soup up the engines or anything like that but he's you know he can tinker and putter around and so forth um and it does kind of let us harken back to his days on the at the utopia Polynesia shipyards he was a shipbuilder right. and um so yeah it's like i like seeing that they keep that kind of thing consistent with the characters and we've seen him build things before we saw him build that bajoran 
um, right ship. Yep. Um, we saw him build. Sail. He built a clock at one point. Yeah. Oh, that's so, right. I mean, the clock. <laughs> I, I forgot mean, about the, the clock. That's season one. Oh, bro. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't forget. <laughs> <laughs> the things from this show that I want is basically what that should be called, like a whole subcategory <laughs> of props that I would love to have. Season one suit, season two suit, season three suit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Kira's uh, Duranya, the thing that she was using to mourn the loss of Vedic Burial. I would love to have that giant fire pit looking thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. You don't have a, I don't. You, have, you don't have an earring. You don't have a a. a no, I because it because even if I got one just well, I was gonna say <laughs> even if I got one to say hey I have a bajoran earring the temptation to wear it right. would be far too strong and then I just I don't think I could pull that off I just yeah you know, it would be hard yeah. you'd have to be yeah. like in a group and even then you'd still have to like explain it to every other person you met like what are you doing unless you were unless you were like at a Star Trek convention then no right. one would question everyone That's would true. know. You know, but yeah, the moment you stepped outside of the convention, people would be looking at you. What's what's up? Why you got that on? <laughs> what's happening? Yeah. So turns out I'm part of the Secret Service, and this is just a hidden ear device, as far as you know. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> these, are, these are the these are the new earwigs. Yeah. Isn't it pretty? <laughs> so. Not conspicuous at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, of course, we have our other scene where they're all in ops. Everybody except for Cisco is in ops, and they are giving pregnant Kira the um, quark to Gino, as it was called, which apparently tastes awful. Right. Who knew that just removing caffeine from something would make it taste so bad? Yeah. So I'm um, curious about that. I wouldn't think caffeine really adds flavor to anything. I mean, maybe it does. Who do I? Know? What do I know? But yeah, I, I, I assumed I assumed that it was the way he does it. He, you know, changing the chemical composition right. of the drink is what made it taste bad, Maybe not just the right. removal. Yeah, of like if they have the basic elements and you combine them into stuff, you have to remove certain basic elements. But if you remove too much of that, then like the sugar is affected or the coffee bean mm-hmm. part is affected. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, initially, I was like, I don't know why it would be so much of a problem. But yeah, okay, maybe. Maybe it makes sense. Um, but that's not <laughs> the funny part of the scene, though. The f- No, it is not. The funny part is that they're all sitting there discussing um, the reason for the Ractagino. Yes. Which is that Miles is concerned that she drinks too many of them. Yes. And that her the baby is going to be born with a caffeine addiction <laughs> because Kara <laughs> drinks so much she drinks so much Ractagino. Right. And so on the one side, you've got Kira and Dax who are like, one, I don't drink that many. And two, it's her body. She can do whatever she wants. She can drink whatever she wants, whatever. And then on the other side is literally all, all the, the guys. Men. All the men. All the yeah. men yeah. are two on the other side. And it's like, yeah. yeah, and they're like, nah. And it, Worf, I love Worf. Well, he is the father, so he does have right to some input. You know, right. Like, he's like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, he should have, he should have some say is what he says. Yeah, but Quark, yeah absolutely seals it yes. when he was like um the less e and they're like less e and it's like yeah on Ferenginar, it's considered a pregnancy is considered a, a rental, rental. <laughs> and i was like <laughs> I, I i just blew my mind when he said it. i was like how, i mean it was funny but then i was like how could it possibly be a rental does that mean that when the baby is born so the baby is already in debt yes and has to like exactly work off means. the debt the dead of life. It Jesus also means Christ. that all children until they're adults probably are 
the tally is kept of every meal and every Every, toy. Yes, every every meal, every toy, clothes. Yeah. All of it. And then, yeah, when they reach the age of maturity or whatever it is, it's like you're not given a a graduation. You're given a bill. You get an invoice. (laughs) Congrats. You you are now officially an adult. Here's your bill. That is so fraggy, though. I love it. Jesus, man. Oh, man. It's so hilarious. Just awful. But it, it really, it, it really just is a great little moment, though, of like, yeah, this whole sci-fi situation of a woman who was, I mean, she volunteered to take the baby from Keiko, so does that mean she owes she, uh, O'Brien anything in terms of, you know, what she can or can't drink or eat? Does, well, you know, well the first thing we should say is, but she, we know O'Brien, O'Brien... Yes, he's being overbearing. <laughs> on a, on he's, being a, he's being a bit overprotective, but I would also say that you know, um, I, I would not just not to say that he has rights and can tell her what to do per se, but I would say under the you know guise of erring on the side of caution, she's a Bajoran carrying a human baby that was artificially implanted. So there's probably all kinds of concerns and potential complications that they should be, you know, at least, you know, thinking about on some level. And who knows how caffeine is going to affect her system. You know, it might be something that Bajoran babies can handle, but a Bajoran, a human baby implanted into a Bajoran we don't, we don't know. And right. it's like, you're so close to your due date anyway. You might as well just, you know, not necessarily saying rule it out completely, but just keep it in your mind right. that, hey, you're not carrying your species inside you. Right. That's someone else. You right. know, it's, it's a whole other culture there yeah. that might have a sensitivity. So, right. yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just it's just funny. I mean, really, the, the point, though, is, is, like, do we trust that Kira wants what's best for this baby that she's carrying over O'Brien carrying, I think they both care. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's and that's kind of the whole point. It's like yeah. she's not doing anything to endanger. If if your biggest concern is she has one or two extra coffee drinks, then clearly she's doing a great job taking care of the kid. And you right. need to relax. And I don't you know, see so. babies reaching for the coffee machine every morning with their caffeine addiction. So I think we'll yeah. be okay. <laughs> All I know is I want Worf to deliver the baby. I think that that should have been <laughs> that should be the running joke in all treks wherever Worf is prominently featured. He should have to deliver like one baby. It should it should be in his rider. Um, and, and they didn't do it in Picard. They missed an opportunity to say, have somebody. Do it? No. no, I'm just saying they missed an opportunity to have somebody somewhere along the way be pregnant and Worf has to deliver the baby. I think that would just be a fantastic joke to have that Michael Dorn is a great midwife. I just, just do it, <laughs> you know? So, um, um, but then our last little tidbit of a story was with Cisco and Odo They're in, um, uh, Odo comes into Cisco's office and he's got a bit of a limp <laughs> and uh, Cisco's like heard uh, you had some excitement today so you know he's he's checking in on Odo but he also wants to get the story because right. again he's trying to be distracted from what's going on with Jake and so we find out that you know Quark 
had suspected some people were cheating at Dabo in the bar. He called in Odo to watch to see if they were cheating, and surprise, surprise, they were. So he moved in to make the arrest. They spotted him and took off running. He was on the top level of the promenade and tried to run down the stairs to get to them, took a flying leap off of the steps, probably somewhere around midway, with the intent to turn into a giant bird of some kind, a condor, he says, yep. and uh, and fly across the bar and, and tackle these guys. Only, as we all know, he is no longer a changeling. So he did not change. Instead, all his solid form blew through the air and smacked down on the ground, <laughs> causing much embarrassment and uh, clearly uh, the limp. So he tells a great story. Um... But what did you think of that little scene between the two of them, even though it's it's a short scene? Oh, yeah. It's also great. It's reminding us of Odo's current situation. He's, a, he's, he's solid right now, though as their conversation evolves, he says, you guys aren't as solid as my people say you are. And Siska's like, yeah, we're actually – I mean, I think it's Odo who says we're, we're fragile. Or does it Siska that say we're fragile? No, says, no, Odo says it. Odo says, yeah, yeah. yes, he says, I don't know why we call you solids. Your bodies are so frail and fragile. Right, exactly. And then Cisco picks up on it and he's like, yeah, there's a lot of ways a, a solid body could get hurt. And yeah. that's what caused him to think about Jake. And then Dax runs in. And then Dax so... rushes in and he's like, that's it. Defiant. Yeah. Rally. We should have left Let's 24 go. hours ago kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that part of that scene too. I mean, like just them talking for a little bit and then Dax comes in, delivers the news, and he's just... Let's go. Dax, you're with me. Defiant, we're leaving as soon as it's ready. Like, he's out the door. Yeah. You know, just none of the, you know, Hemmin and Han we would have seen, I feel like, if we had Picard in this situation and being like, you know, I'm a Starfleet captain. I can't just take my battleship to go and rescue my son. He would have had to come up with some kind of convoluted reason to take the Enterprise into, willingly into a danger zone. The Enterprise is free and clear over here. There's yeah. rescue ships that are supposedly on the way, whatever. My mission isn't to rescue my son. My mission is to protect the peace. And then only after, you know, various hijinks ensue would the Enterprise have gone yeah. to Agilon Pond. Out, Cisco's, yeah, their main yeah. force is uh, preparing on yeah. fire. <laughs> their ambassador carrying critical information was waylaid at Agilon Prime, so now I have a reason to go over there and beam yeah. everybody up or whatever it is. <laughs> Cisco's like, nope, turn it around. We're yeah. going. Yeah. We're going. It actually reminds me of when you said beam everybody up. Um, part of what's happening is the Klingons have uh, disruptors. I, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming we've heard of disruptors before, but it's the first time it really it stands out to me that in wartime there's a faction using something to stop warping capabilities at least transporting capability transporting pardon uh yes. so yeah it, uh, i assume it's happened before am i, am I right you know it, we've, we've had that technology before is this like just so time, it's or? been it's been talked about but they don't they don't ever give it a particular name it's just like they've the enemy has done something to an area to prevent beaming in or out of a precise location so you can maybe only beam in at this distance and you got to walk the rest of the way in that seems to be the typical way we see it done they've got some kind of shielding or whatever which prevents direct beaming so we have to set down five kilometers outside and then walk in or what you know 
that's the line that we hear a lot delivered. Um, this is the first time, though, that they talk about how it's just kind of like planet-wide. There's no beaming whatsoever. Um, yeah. The Klingons are, yeah, the Klingons are jamming your ability to to do that entirely. So then Starfleet has opted to use dropships, basically, that they're calling hoppers, to transport troops um, not just to the planet surface, but then it seems like they're also using them to transport them to and fro different locations on right. the planet surface. And the Klingons are enjoying shooting these things down whenever right. they get the chance. Right. So, um, yeah, so that's that's the first time we ever heard mention of that kind of technology. Because it was normally, if they couldn't beam you down, they used a, a runabout or a shuttle of some type right. to move you. We don't ever see a hopper. We don't know what a hopper is. I'm assuming it's some kind of, you know, very basic bot. Well, uh, very basic boxy shape that probably has these two giant yes. legs on it for landing. For oh, yeah, right. thrusters and landing. That's why they call it a hopper because it looks like yeah. it just kind of bounces up and goes and yeah. then touches down really quickly so that you can yeah. load people off and on and stuff really quick. And we That's should mention imagining. real quickly that the one guy we, Jake comes across who's dying, he uh, he basically sacrificed himself so his his crew could his team could get on a hopper. Uh, he was mm-hmm. fighting off some Klingons, but he wasn't able to get on it in order to lay down covering fire. Um, so there was a guy who was a hero. That's that is part of what Jake's having to deal with is there is someone who actually did something heroic and is dying for yep. it. Um, and that's kind of the and you know really quick I just want to say that's an interesting guy. Because that's the kind of sacrifice that we often hear about on Star Trek, but we never see the end result of. How many times in the episode has it been, you know, someone has to stay behind because it's a dead man switch on whatever. So we know they're going to die, but we don't see it. The the rest of our hero team escapes and then the bomb goes off or the thing, the shield collapses or whatever it is. So we know they succeeded, but we don't actually see their death. We just know that it happened. This is the first time that we see the other side of that. He's stayed behind he continued to fight off the klingons so that his team could get on the hopper and leave they left and now here he is he's in his final throes here he's been stabbed basically gutted he's holding himself together and he is on his way out he's gonna he's gonna die in a matter of minutes and he does right before jake's eyes dies yeah yep yep yeah and uh yeah it's important to mention that because that gives him an example of someone who died heroically and did the right thing. And even gives him a hard time about, um, you know, you think that what he was expecting, his expectations of death well, and nobility and hero and heroism. Well, the guy says like Jake is trying to give a explanation for his cowardice. Like, Oh, I must've been meant to come here and save you. And the guy's mm-hmm. like, what the hell do you think you're talking about? Like, that's not, that, that's not, what happened here. <laughs> uh, so he gives them a hard time and that's what causes Jake some shame as well. Uh, but it's also an example of what some bravery is supposed to look like. And so that's, that's why it's traumatic for, for Jake is because he's seeing what he should have done, for example, um, and failing to live up to it. But real quickly, we mentioned runabouts, which runabout was destroyed in this episode. Do you know the name of this runabout? Oh man. <laughs> Throwing you a question. I don't, but uh, I was trying to look some things up about this episode, and a couple of sites that I normally go to were not 
working. And so that was upsetting. Um, so it's the... Hmm. It was the runabout that was destroyed for this episode. Give me a second. I'll find it. <laughs> Is it the Rio Grande? Is it the... This one or the that one? See if I can find it too. Hmm. The Yangtze Kang. Yangtze Kang was one. So we had the Rio Grande, the Yangtze Kang, and the Ganges were the ones that we first saw in um, the first season. Um, the Yangtze Kang was destroyed, uh, replaced by the Orinoco. The Ganges was destroyed and replaced by the Mekong. Um, trying to there's a list on Wikipedia of all of all of them. Um, the Rubicon. Oh, it's unknown. According to Wikipedia, no. it's unknown. The Rubicon. Well, according to the according to the site that I just found, so the way that it all worked out was that um, the Rubicon was one that replaced another one that was destroyed. In an, in an earlier season, the Rubicon, and that was one they had for a while. Then the Rubicon was destroyed, and its replacement, basically the Rubicon 2, was. Um, this one? Um, yes. Okay. Because on Wikipedia, they say that the Rubicon was presumably destroyed in the episode The Die is Cast. Um, and then they say that this one that we had in this episode was an unnamed one. But yeah, uh, they they don't name it, but they say that according to the way that this would work out, the one that should have been destroyed here was the Rubicon, and then the Rubicon is later because it well technically the Rubicon two, but the Rubicon two is replaced, right? And it's replaced eventually by the Yukon, and then we get the Volga and the Shenandoah are the last two. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, the Volga, the Shenandoah, and the and the Gander are the last three shuttlecraft to be brought to the station before the show ends. So we have not seen those yet. The Volga, the Shenandoah, and the Gander, they're still on their way at some point. But right now, we're somewhere between, however you want to name it, either um, uh, Yukon and Rubicon. Okay. okay. Whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It's, it's a fun idea that they're all named after... Um... Rivers, Earth, Earth Rivers. Yes. It's a great way of like giving them a something unique. <laughs> so it's and it's a great way to like test your own geography there because I mean now that I know the names of all of them, go and look these rivers up. Yeah. And, like I know I found a few of them, but I don't know of a river named the Volga, the Gander, the Shenandoah. Um, but if they're all continuing that tradition of being named after um, important uh, rivers, rivers I will take. Yeah. I will take a look. I will take a look and see. Yeah. Is there one called the Tims? I'm always curious. I guess I haven't checked that list no. longer. I was just no. thinking, like, what names do I know? The Tims. I would know that. Yeah. That I don't know of. I would, I would know that. And he seems to have gone, it's, it's Cisco who's naming them. He seems to have gone for very um, exotic rivers for the most part. Right. Or lesser, or let's say exotic, maybe lesser known rivers. Right. Like, we don't have. Um, the Colorado, we don't have, I mean, I probably, the, the, the one that I was, one, yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, like, um, the Rio Grande was probably the easiest one to remember, right. and then all the other ones, you know, 
way off. After and we that. live so, in yeah. Texas, so it's like part of our, you know, yeah. literally a boundary. <laughs> literally yeah. a Texas border is the Rio Grande. So. <sighs> well, final thoughts on Nor the Battle. Yeah, this one is, uh, it's a serious episode. It's, uh, again, focused on Jake. And, uh, yeah, it's, again, I had some serious critiques, but I'm not saying the episode itself is bad. Um, yeah, so. Well, I really like this episode. Um, again, like I said, I like it more now than I did the first time that I watched it several years ago. I think that my appreciation for the growth of the relationship between Cisco, the Cisco's, um, is really what brings this one home for me. Yeah. Um, just, just watching. I, again, I, we've said this before. I really enjoy watching their family dynamic. The way that Ben just, you know, he works hard to not just understand his son, but give his son the confidence to speak up about whatever it is that is going on with him and right. troubling him and, and, and helps him to work through it. He doesn't right. bark orders at his son. He doesn't make demands or anything like that, but he's just like always in that very supportive, very open role. And I really enjoy seeing that um, between the two of them and watching them move through this progression into adulthood and see how it's going to change both of them because now that you know jake is you know a man he's doing his own thing now what does this mean for um elder cisco here how is how is his life going to change now that he is not so responsible for the upbringing of a young child anymore you know so i want to see all of that mm, okay i hadn't thought about that part before yeah like if jake moves on cisco will be a Father yeah, without just, a nest, a parent, yeah. Yeah. Well, all right, I think we have gone through everything that we need to for this particular episode. Um, really quick, I thought that we could talk about The Expanse and doing our first After Dark. I feel like we should go ahead and um, get on the ball with that now that we are four episodes in to oh, okay. this into the fifth season. So how about not next week, but the week after that, which would be the 18th, because today is the 4th. So the 18th, doing our first half of book five. Um. Well, I imagine I will have been reading the Napoleon book. Oh, that's uh, right. I'm sorry. You're fine. Totally you're fine. Expects. Do you really want to do a halfway through episode? I would think we'd want to wait until we'd finished it before like, we just Well, I all- thought that. Because we we had been doing where we were doing again, just kind of like updates. Like we just finished the first part, and then we also would talk about the show where the show is in, in that, comparison. and then right, and then go into the and then do another half and do the same thing. Um, why don't we keep it in mind? Because I imagine, well, because my plan was to read Napoleon and then read The Count of Monte Cristo, and those are both very thick books. Yes, they um, are. Yes, they are. But uh, I mean. I could I could postpone the Count of Monte Cristo and or even Napoleon I guess if we needed to um to if I needed to read it and catch up, um, but let's uh, why don't we wait till next week until we like how far are you right now Do you feel like you're about halfway? I'm not I'm not halfway yet, but that's why I was gonna say next uh, I'm doing the, the after dark on the eighteenth. <laughs> yes, yes, but that's fine. Uh, just kind of as we're sitting here live, letting everybody know that we are, we didn't forget. We are going yeah. to be doing um, the the expanse. We have stuff. to finish. We have so. to do five books. We have five, six, seven, eight, nine. Five books to do before the end of the show. We got three seasons of oh, Deep Space man. Nine and five books to go. 
So, so we got to get on it, man. Got to get yeah. on it. Okay. Yeah. And that's more me. That's more me than you. Cause obviously as we can all see, David is an avid um, reader. He's just got way, you know, way more time to do this than I wow. do. So you're making more money yeah. than I am at this point. So maybe you're the one who's actually winning out really. Uh, well, we'll see. So. Well, all right. We will circle back on the expanse stuff, but until then you can find us and follow us anywhere that you happen to do your social medias. And of course you can listen to us anywhere that you happen to listen to podcasts. I happen to do it on Spotify. Also be sure to check in with all of our things that we have on YouTube where you can watch the live versions of our show or replay the episodes later on in case there's something that we said that you either missed or didn't like or some combination thereof. And let us know. Feel free to drop a comment somewhere or pass us the line on uh, one of the social media platforms that we're on and we will respond promise so until next week guys take care of yourselves thanks guys